Welcome to the More Than 10 podcast, where we acknowledge the trauma healthcare workers and first responders experience every day and foster a safe space to discuss and process them. I want you to think of this podcast as your toolbox, where each episode equips you with quick interventions that you can break out when emotions from your day are weighing you down. I'm your host, Ashley, an L&D nurse who seeks out professionals and people with firsthand experiences that bring perspective and tools to your ears. Hi, everyone. It's Ashley, your podcast host, and I am beyond excited to introduce the first series of the More Than 10 podcast to you called The Awe Method. In this series, I have some interviews, I have some meditations, and um, some other little exercises for you guys to do, and I'm really hoping this is a good set of tools for you guys to process whatever you're going through. Now, The Power of Awe is a book that I have recently read. And in this book, it basically describes a method that literally takes 15 seconds to do. And this method has been shown to reduce stress, burnout, and anxiety in healthcare workers and non-healthcare workers. You don't need to be into meditation to do this. You don't need to be into deep breathing exercises to be able to do this. It is far more simpler than that, that it almost seems silly. But there is power behind it. And I know you guys, and I know that you need the science behind how and why it works to understand why this is so significant. I understood that from reading this book, and I can't wait to bring it to your ears and to have you guys, you know, get as excited about this method as I am and to use it in your everyday life and to teach others how to use it. But today to have, to explain this to you, I have brought on Michael Amster, who is co-author of the book called The Power of Awe. He's a physician, researcher, writer, and teacher. He works clinically as an interventional pain specialist at Santa Cruz Community Health. Dr. Amster is a graduate of UC Irvine School of Medicine and completed his anesthesia-based pain medicine fellowship at the University of Iowa School of Medicine and Residency at UC Davis School of Medicine. He is board certified in pain medicine, family medicine, and integrative medicine. He created an eight-week chronic pain patient mindfulness program called Pain Management Essentials, and has taught hundreds of patients about alternative methods for controlling chronic pain. He recently co-authored the book, The Power of Awe, with Jake Eagle. And I think he is the perfect person to explain this to you guys and to have this conversation with. And let me tell you, I've never come off such a high after an interview. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. So without further ado, let's get into it. (laughs) What's been proposed in the research actually is that that wealthier people are just more self-absorbed and narcissistic. Um, and the ego aspect, right? Yeah, it's the self-absorption and the ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, they have a less, like that dispositional awe scale that I talked about, they have a lower just natural ability to experience awe. But the nice thing is that awe can be learned as an emotion. Um, and that's why we created the awe method. It's just a way to help people start to build that muscle of awe. And now you mentioned along these lines, you mentioned earlier, it takes like 15 seconds for you to practice the awe method and to experience awe. So if it's so accessible, why don't we naturally experience it every day? Well, I think if you, you know, think about children for a minute, if you, if you have children in your life, you know, two, three-year-old, even younger infants, I mean, they're just constantly living in a state of wonder and awe. They're, they're just thrilled by the whole world around them. And it's part of our development. Um, as we grow up, that we begin to lose that sense of wonder. It's it's partly just our culture that that we're 
surrounded by, you know, the culture of consumerism, of trying to, um, you know, want to have the best, you know, fanciest clothing or the newest iWatch or iPhone or whatever, just we begin to lose our, our sense of our, that kind of natural sense of wonder and awe of the world around us. And so we have to consciously as, as adults begin to cultivate that as an emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably no surprise if you think about, you know, the most consumer driven cultures on the planet, it's, it's here in the United States. We actually have the lowest level of, of awe than any other place on the planet. Um, sadly, you know, the average person has less than one moment of awe in a given week. Mm. Um, yeah. So isn't it ironic? We're definitely an awe starved culture here in, yeah. the, in North America and the United States. And isn't it ironic that we strive to experience luxury, um, in order to experience awe when in fact you can find luxury in awe? Yeah, that's very interesting. And one of the studies, not my personal research, but other studies have been done is that they've looked at people through their experience of awe and they, um, become more seekers of experiences rather than material things. So that's one of the, I guess you could say a benefit of awe is that you begin to find the joy and pleasures of life through just that sort of sensual experience rather than buying something new. Mm -hmm. Awe is thought of what is called a pro-social emotion. And what that means is that within awe are all these other positive emotions and traits. So when you experience awe, you're just naturally more generous you're going to be more wanting to help strangers and um, to, to, you'll give bigger tips. You'll just, you'll find a more generous open heart when you experience awe. You will also, for example, be more open-minded to different points of view. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you think about the situation right now where we're finding, you know, the left and the right politically are just more like divergent and spreading off. And there's less people kind of in that more moderate middle zone of being open-minded and curious when you cultivate awe, it, it takes you to that, that place more in the middle of being able to see other people's points of view and to be more accepting and willing to look at um, divergent ways of being. Yeah. And I mean, what's coming to mind is how you, you had mentioned the book, your studies have shown how it helps depression, anxiety, and loneliness. And I thought the loneliness part was just so interesting because it brings on us. You don't have to be religious or spiritual for us to bring on a spiritual feeling for you, because again, you're just, and when you're in that perspective, you are connecting to something outside of yourself. And I thought that it was so cool that it, that related to loneliness and feeling connected to other people. And can you kind of elaborate a little more on that aspect? Yeah, sure. So one of the the really um, incredible experiences when you have a moment of awe is that you do feel connected to the vastness of 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 all life, of the universe, of all humanity, um, you know, consciousness of God, whatever you know terms that you use. Um, when people have a moment of awe, they feel that sense of like bigger connect something. The connection to something bigger than the self, to that sense of vastness. You know, like if you think of like witnessing the birth of a child. Um, I remember when my daughter was born and just seeing her for the first time and like our eyes locking with each other and experiencing that moment that my whole life made sense of like why I was here on this planet and this kind of connection to a lineage of, of all my family that preceded me 
and a sense of the connection to the universe and to, to God and to like kind of this greater sense of consciousness. It was like, wow, it all kind of came together in that moment. And that's what a moment of awe can do. It, it can really um, give us a sense of that, that connection to something much greater than the self. And when that happens, we don't feel alone. We feel comforted and held kind of in that, that greater sense of purpose. So what happens when we have a moment of awe is that the our ego, our sense of self diminishes. The self-importance of like my identity as of Michael and like kind of holding on and grasping to my identity, it, it diminishes in a very positive way where I feel less self-important. I feel more connected to others and to, you know, spirit, God, consciousness, um, the planet in a very healthy way in terms of like my identity um, changing. And we did study in our research about the emotion of loneliness and found that people who were sheltering in place during the pandemic, who were very alone and very scared, they experienced very powerful connections to something greater than the self. Like you can be physically alone, but not feel alone anymore when you experience awe. And that's Um, so important for healthcare workers and first responders to feel because it's hard work, it's long hours, and some people, they need that connection. Yeah. So I use this a lot in my own personal medical practice, and I teach this to doctors and nurses as well. So it's really, and we talk about this in our book about this idea of what's called um, co-regulation. And so when I begin a visit with a patient, I often invite them to experience a moment of awe with me. And so I work in a clinic that has a lot of, has big windows and we have nice artwork in our clinic. You know, we like I'll often walk out to the window with a patient and like look outside and, you know, we'll see birds and trees and the clouds and the, the mountains off in the distance and, and just ask them to share a moment of awe, whether it's like physically right in front of them or a memory that they have from that last week that with someone they care about. And immediately the the tone of the conversation shifts and they are more grounded, more present. And I think it creates that, that space of safety. Like we're connected as patient doctor. They are feeling safe to share with me what's going on within their health care needs. And, um, and then, then as a healer, I'm just more present with them. I feel connected to them. I'm not just immediately going to my computer and logging on, but we're actually having a a patient doctor connection, Mm -hmm. um, a human connection. And it's a really wonderful way to start a visit. Yeah. And then I think from there, the whole visit then unravels when I get on my computer and it's just a more human touch experience. Yeah. People really feel held. Right. And for me, for example, going off of that, I, we, when we get patients who come in for inductions, they're really nervous because they know the baby's coming. Um, and I kind of address them with anxiety by getting them a blanket that we keep in warmers. And I put the blanket on them and I kind of just like rub their shins. And I like, kind of just like say, just feel the blanket, just take a moment. Don't think of anything. Just feel this blanket, feel how warm it is. Like feel me, like feel the feeling of me, like rubbing the shins and, um, it helps them to kind of like recenter, but we also both kind of like connect on that small little thing and it helps with their anxiety. I actually see that. Um, and it completely rechanges the conversation, the connection we have from there on forward, uh, which is really neat. And that's just something simple. It's simpler than even just looking out a window. You know what I mean? There's people get yeah. creative with ways to find awe and use it to connect with other people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I love that what you're talking about being in labor and delivery. And I, 
and I, I don't know the research in the labor and delivery literature, but I'm sure there's been research done that shows that when a patient feels safe and what you're doing is you're creating that sense of safety and connection mm -hmm. um, right there in that moment. And you're co-regulating with them. You're, we all, we all can recall an experience of being in the presence of someone who's very grounded and um, kind of a more, more, maybe like a wise person and how just being in the presence of that person resets our own nervous system. Like I can remember as a kid being with my grandmother and like her seeming to have that like magic power over the grandkids, you know, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's like, you're creating that, that space of healing and you don't have to use the word awe, but it, you're giving them a microdose of that mindfulness by yeah. saying, Hey, feel the, feel this warm blanket on your feet and really ground. You're, you're essentially saying ground yourself, Yeah. you know, ground into your feet and feeling the being in the present moment. And not yeah. going into the fear because if you're in a, if, you're, if you're having your first child and you're filled with a lot of fear and anxiety and um, the cortisol is rushing it definitely will change how your cervix and the whole physiology is going to respond to the delivery experience yeah exactly outcome yeah all right now i realize i'm, I'm gonna switch gears here and i'm probably opening a can of worms with the little time we have left but i felt this is a really important part of the awe method and that being ways to naturally shift into awe itself. And that's understanding the three C's or the three levels of consciousness. Can you briefly explain what those are and then how they help you resolve problems? So um, about the three levels of consciousness. Yeah. So, so this is the, really the life's work of, of my co-author, Jake Eagle, who's a psychotherapist and his wife, Hannah, and it's a model they've been teaching for a lot of years. And so, so basically in a nutshell, it kind of goes like this. Um, if, if you can think of an example, and I'm just going to give one to help help the listeners, let's say you're going down the highway and somebody cuts you off on the highway. So if you've had a stressful day and um, you're already kind of worked up and feeling a little bit agitated, you're going to have a reaction of probably, you know, maybe cutting them off or <laughs> committing Cutting road rage off. back, <laughs> screaming at them, yelling at them, using profanities. Maybe even get to the point of like getting in an altercation with someone physically, you know, these things happen and we know we read about them in the news. And so we talk about in the book and it's sort of like the, the, the theory behind of why awe is so powerful is this idea of three levels of consciousness. So we're all pretty much 99% of the time living in what Jake uses the terminology safety consciousness. And that's, um, the state in which we're, you know, doing all the ordinary productive things in our lives of having a job and running carpools and, you know, shopping and things like that. But we're just on a, that kind of auto autopilot. And it may be that we're, you know, just facing our normal stressors of, of the day. Now, the next level of consciousness up is what he calls heart consciousness and heart consciousness is when we're experiencing a state of gratitude. So if you just think for a moment right now, you know, asking the listeners, think about something you're grateful for in your life and just kind of hold that in your mind's eye for a moment and visualize it. So if we've been cultivating some gratitude in our life and we're in that, that kind of quality of heart consciousness, then somebody cuts me off and go back to that example on the highway. You know, I've been thinking about what I've been grateful for today and and there's actually quite a lot of research that knows that keeping a gratitude journal and thinking about what you're grateful for has health benefits. And it, it does put us in a more calm, restful state. Well, 
if I'm in a place of gratitude and feeling that that heart level, heart consciousness, then someone cutting me off, I'm going to have a different reaction. I might be like, yo, peace, bro. Like, it's all good. You know, I'm not going to like snap back at them. Yeah. And then awe takes us to this next level higher up of consciousness. And that's what we call spacious consciousness. And that is the state of where we go to when we have a contemplative or a spiritual practice. You know, we can access that through meditation, through chanting, through prayer, um, I think I, I'm I'm well versed in Buddhism. It's what in Buddhism they call like the kind of the experience of nirvana, that state of being you know in pure presence and in deep peace and awareness. And so awe is the shortcut that takes us up to that level of of a spacious consciousness. And so if I'm in that state of spacious consciousness, which is a very much a nonverbal state, it's just that pure awareness state. I'm probably, if someone cuts me off, I'm going to just be sort of in that zone of being like, like, okay, you know, like totally peace, bro. Like, I'm just going to keep going on and I wish you well. And I, I'm sorry, you're having a rough day. Mm. Um, and so this is a very important in terms of understanding this model, because we have a great deal of leverage over how we react to any situation in our lives, depending on the state of consciousness we're in is how we're going to, you know, we have a choice in our ability to react to a situation. So what's powerful about cultivating this experience of all, like let's say for doctors or first responders is that we, we have the ability to control our nervous systems and we can access a state of awe so that maybe after an, an, a traumatic event where we've been in that kind of fight, flight, freeze responsive performing CPR on somebody or um, we're in a surgery and it's not going well, or you're in a labor and a labor situation and it has to convert quickly into a C-section. And we have to, of course, you know, get through that, that moment of that stress. But then afterwards, we can really regulate our nervous system by entering back into a moment of awe and slowing down. And in fact, actually, I think that moment of that stress can be a moment of awe within itself, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that. Yeah. And so that along those lines is probably what keeps people coming back to those high stress jobs and everything like that, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I can think about, you know, often in healthcare, we do these debriefs right after like a stressful event, we'll like kind of do a, um, a huddle and talk it out. I'm, I don't know if you guys do that, your hospital system, yeah. but I actually have a whole podcast episode about it. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. And so I think that's very healing when you get in a community in a circle, that's where you, the co-regulation is help as helping each other kind of calm down and maybe someone cries and, you know, bursts out in tears. And it's just witnessing that in somebody else is very healing for, for us. And you can be in awe of that, that retelling a story, reliving that story, that experience can be like, really, um, there's a lot of awe to be found, even in really difficult times. Like when someone's when you're running a code and you see the team come together, really working hard to save somebody's life, it's just reflecting on the teamwork and that camaraderie is is a moment of awe. Yeah, I've experienced yeah. that. That's what I experienced with um my CPR incident at the airport, actually, that I spoke on in the first episode. Um, and one thing about going back to spacious thinking in the state, essentially awe, you guys quoted in your book that there's no agenda no effort and no measurements in this state. And I just thought that was really powerful. And it brought me back to the beginning of the book where you spoke and mentioned that when you think of something like anxiety 
a lot of people treat it with cognitive behavioral therapy. And in that therapy, you are striving to be something you're not, to think a way you don't typically think. And that can be really daunting for people. And sometimes that could be as exhausting as it is feeling the anxiety for them. And that's why a lot of people find that that therapy doesn't work for them when it comes to anxiety or they stray away from it. Um, And I just thought that this method completely defied all of that because you're not striving. There's really no effort. Um, You find it at every moment in your life and you're not measuring any progress in any specific ways that you would be when it came to, when it comes to this therapy. And I just thought that was such a powerful thing to think about. I, I really love how you just talked about that, Ashley. You did a great job summarizing that from the book. Um, and yeah, what we talk about is this idea of living really in presence versus force. And so what awe helps us do is to really begin to live our lives in this experience of presence rather than having, let's say, an agenda um, of our to-do list to accomplish. You know, I'm a, I'm a big overachiever. <laughs> Me too. All right. Yeah. Join the club. Yeah. I mean, most of us are, I think, particularly those of us in healthcare, we're we're definitely a lot of us are overachievers. And, you know, for me, from this practice, I'm happier and more at ease than I've ever been in my life Um, and enjoying my work more than ever. Um, Definitely not burning out at all. And I have a very hard career as a pain management specialist. Um, I have gone through burnout before. I've had multiple episodes of burnout in my 20-year career, actually. But since learning this methodology and our research also is on burnout with healthcare professionals, using this method at the height of the pandemic, it, it does work. It does really help you reset your nervous system. And I think you really bring up a very important point about so many of us are always striving to be somewhere we're not. You know, like, oh, I'm stuck. I'm struggling with this anxiety and I I don't want to be this way. And there's something really powerful that happens that when we finally learn to let go and not be striving to be somewhere we're not, but we can just be in this moment, just purely be and to experience sort of this really profound state of peace, acceptance of self-love, of pure presence in that spaciousness, <laughs> being yeah. in spacious consciousness, the healing really happens. Like really profound healing happens for people with their anxiety and depression in that pure state of awareness. Yeah. It's like, you just sort of like, can just fully be who you are and not need to be anywhere or anyone else. And then in that that spacious gap, it appears that that things start to let go. Like you can kind of let go of the anxiety that you can get let, get go of the depression. Yeah. Um, you know, awe is very unique as an emotion. And um, we talk about this in a book. We have a whole chapter of our book about accessing awe in times of strife. I'll just share a little bit from that just for one second. Um, so we, we, we share a story that Victor Frankel talks about and Victor Frankel, for those that don't know who he was, he was a, Um, a psychiatrist who was in Auschwitz, which is one of the Nazi concentration camps. He, uh, he was like a contemporary of Freud. And so he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, um, which is probably one of the most important pieces of literature written in the last century. And so he shares a story about there being on basically like a a death march, like from Auschwitz to a, a different camp as they were closing down Auschwitz to a Bavarian camp. And they were walking through like these 
beautiful mountains in Salz, you know, outside of Salzburg and seeing these beautiful Alps. And he says here, if someone had seen our faces on the journey from Auschwitz to a Bavarian camp as we beheld the mountains of Salzburg with their summits glowing in the sunset through the little barred windows of this pr prison carriage, he would have never believed that those were the faces of men who had given up all hope of life and liberty. So awe has this ability to bring us back to what's precious, in part because it has the unique ability to be present with other emotions, including as Frankel and his prison mates ex had experienced hopelessness. So when we're unhappy, for example, we may not be able to access happiness at the same time. And when we're anxious, we may not be able to relax at the same time. But whether we're feeling unhappy or happy or anxious or relaxed, we can also feel awe. That we have the capacity to be in awe when experiencing difficult emotions gives us a great deal of influence over our suffering. I actually bookmarked that in the book because <laughs> I thought that was just so powerful. Um, yeah, it, it is. And I, I've gone through, I went through a really hard time actually in the process of writing the book, not with writing the book, but it, during the time of writing the book, I, I lost a job, a relationship ended and my, my kid went off to college. So I, I was like, my whole identity was like, blowing up, blowing up. My, my identity as a doctor of 16 years for a particular practice was gone, uh, relationship ending and, you know, being a father full-time single dad for many years, like, just like, yeah. whoa, who am I? And I will say that, you know, going through a depression that this work was really so helpful, um, because I could access all it. You can always find awe, even when, let's say you're dealing with a, a terminal illness. And we have a lot of patients in our, our book who we share their stories who are going through cancer treatment um, and how this practice was so helpful for them in regulating the nervous systems and really creating a state of healing. That's awesome. And now I think that we've dumped a bunch of information on our listeners thus far, but as we keep reiterating, I think it's important for people to remember that you can take 15 seconds to access awe. It has benefits on your inflammatory system, your health system in general, um, and it shows to improve depression, anxiety, loneliness, burnout. Um, and it is a tool that you can use in every day of your life, even when you're in strife, as you said. Um, so I think that you provided them with tons of information. Thank you, Michael, for explaining it all. And lastly, is there anything else about all that you think listeners would benefit from for hearing? Well, I want to thank you so much for letting me be here. And I've just really loved our conversation. And I, um, I think you have an incredibly bright career ahead of you. Um, <laughs> you're just so astute and wise and in such a young age. So it's really been an honor and I'm really in awe of you and what you're doing. Um, but what I'd love to kind of close with would be sharing a little bit from our epilogue or our final, you know, few paragraphs of our book, because I think it's important to close on this thought because um, we've talked a lot today about how the awe method is a personal practice, but really we see this as something bigger. It really is about changing the world. So I'd love to, if it's okay to just share uh, the last few paragraphs from I'd the book. Great. So the awe method is more than a self-help technique. And the implications of awe go well beyond personal transformation. Awe touches everything, and perhaps most telling is the effect it has on others. We're wired to attune to others' behaviors and moods. Our nervous system senses the emotions of those around us, 
Just as being the recipient of a warm smile can lighten our mood when we're in awe, those around us feel it too. Awe is contagious. And so practicing the awe method is one not so small way we can contribute to the world. In this book, we've covered how the awe method is grounded in science and that a whole body of science supports the awe changes lives. So we have a big, simple crash ending to the power behind the simple practice of the awe method. If practiced frequently enough by enough people, a critical mass, as it were, everyone would experience a significant heightened shift in consciousness. Awe changes us, and when we share our awe, we change the world. How can we be in awe of someone and physically or emotionally harm them? Mm. How can we be in awe of the natural world and destroy it? How can we be in awe of life itself and not live as if every day were a miracle? In awe, the tone of every conversation from personal to political shifts from having an agenda to being open and curious. Our conversations impact how we raise our kids, how we help our aging parents, how we treat our spouse, how we participate in community, how we mentor or supervise people, how we govern a city and how we lead a nation. We can think of no downside to practicing the awe method because awe is the light the appreciation of nature and cultures, the curious and open mind, the generous and giving soul. During times of darkness like this, we need it more than ever. So awe awaits you and surrounds you in the ordinary moments of your life. Like the view of the stars that fill the night sky, awe is free and always available. All you need to do is pay attention to what you value, appreciate and find amazing. Wait and then exhale and expand into the limited timelessness of awe. What a beautiful closing. That was a great, like great way to end that book. And I think it encompassed a lot of the power in this book and the purpose. And now we always ask listeners at the end, what is one way you like to take more than 10 seconds to process something traumatic or stressful? But I find that ironic asking you because we're talking about something that takes about 10 seconds <laughs> but <laughs> I'll ask it anyways. How do you take more than 10 seconds to process something traumatic or stressful? Well, I really am a big believer of breathing. You know, I think if, if someone, when we're under a lot of stress or we kind of dealt with a trauma, if you notice your breath, it like you become very shallow. Mm-hmm. And so I think just simply tuning back into the breath and really taking a, a series of long, deep breaths in, and even sometimes making even a noise, like even, you know, making a, a sound of whether you, you yell or you make a loud ah or some vibration, it's very healing to the body to, to emote it out. So yeah. I would say deep breathing and making some noise to get it out of your system is probably the quickest, easiest way to, besides awe, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to really help with a traumatic situation. Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, I think I completely agree because when patients are really uncomfortable <laughs> um, with their contractions, I tell them and I constantly remind them, you need to breathe out like you're blowing into a balloon. You need to make low noises. <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna yell, not high, low noises, because it does has the it has those effects on your body to just help ease the tension and relax and all that stuff. So yeah, I completely agree with that because that is what I teach my patients. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> well, well I'm, I'm i'm glad to hear it from someone as wise as you are and experiencing that firsthand in a very very stressful environment yeah well thank you again michael for being here i appreciate it i hope our listeners take in so much of this as i have um hopefully they're as geeky about it as i am <laughs> <laughs> thank you ashley it's such an honor to get to be here with you this last hour and um, if your listeners ever want to reach out, please send me an email at michael at the power of I love hearing from people and um, happy to support you in your journey of awe. Thank, Thank you again. You. Thank you. Amazing. I'll link everything in show notes, guys. See you back on the next part of this series. All right, friends, it is that time where I must love and leave you. Do yourself a favor today and find a way to give yourself more than 10. If you like this podcast and would like to leave a comment on the Podbean app, that would mean so much. Even more so, a share on any social media platform or to a friend would be much appreciated. As always, thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you back on the next episode.